They keep asking who I am, I just tell them I'm a Christian Occupation, a description, I just tell them I'm a Christian Nationality, ethnicity, I tell them I'm a Christian Keep the hyphens in division, I just tell them I'm a Christian This is the Savage Truth Podcast with Pastor Roy Dockery And I want to thank everybody for joining us on again today I hope you enjoyed our last episode or any episode that you happen to come into the podcast on, uh, please feel free to visit RoyDockery.org. Click on the podcast tab. Uh, We've actually restructured our website. So now you can listen to podcasts based on topic. So for my business people, for my my people looking for topics on diversity and inclusion, for those who just want to hear about faith or even maybe check a sermon, now you don't have to be inundated and ask questions about which topic is covered in which episode because it's not always abundantly clear by the title because I like to be suspicious or, or uh, I don't know, covert sometimes in my messaging. But if you take a look on the website, um, we, we've redesigned the, the podcast uh, tab on the website so it'll actually reflect on the page basically which topic and you can essentially click on the player directly from the website and kind of listen to a playlist of podcasts on specific topics. So, again, thank you for your support. Um, thank you for everyone who continues to support the, uh, the ministry and the mission um, that we push through on Faith Ministries and just those who continue to share um, and, and, and comment and provide feedback on the podcast. Uh, as of um, probably about this time or uh, as of last week, we eclipsed, uh, you know, over a thousand episodes played. Uh, we have the luxury of being heard or listened to. In over 12 countries across five continents, which uh, which is a blessing in itself. I had to look up where Slovakia was. Um, I have no friends in Johannesburg, South Africa, um, but we have listeners and uh, and we appreciate your support and hope that you continue to tune in. Um, if anyone ever has questions or um, has a topic for discussion or something uh, that they feel that they would want me to discuss or to touch on, I'm always I'm always willing to venture out uh, into into unknown territories or to learn new things. So please feel free to to shoot us an email. Um, you can submit a form on our website um, through contact, or you can just shoot us an email at info at roydockery.org. That is R-O-Y-D-O-C-K-E-R-Y.org. So thank you again for your support, and I pray that everyone's been having a successful and a, and a foundational beginning to 2020. Uh, to build on throughout the rest of the year. So on today, uh, kind of similar when I, uh, you know, I, I get to attend event, events on occasion just because I happen to know uh, or uh, or have connections to some amazing people uh, that try to do amazing things. Um, on to uh, see on January 25th, because I don't know when you'll be listening to this. So on January 25th, I attended an event in Los Angeles called Brave Work. Um, and brave work is kind of a movement and a desire to have a collective of creative individuals coming together to, to do great things and to and to make a great impact. Um, and that that organization and that kind of movement is met um, is led up by uh, Pedro Latore and his wife, Jessica. Um, so I had a privilege of attending this event on January 25th uh, through um, Derek, uh, who, who runs Jam the Hype and works with the Urban Youth Workers Initiative. And um, he's always uh, taking time and energy um, to serve and to invest in those that he feels trying to make a positive change in the world. And it's something that I, um, I truly respect him for um, watching a man who was coordinating and producing event and running the live streams and, um, and doing everything to still have the heart of a servant to go clean the toilets um, and collect the trash and things of that nature is, is something that I admire about people 
who are in my um, circle that above everything, we have a heart to be servants. We have a heart um, to serve uh, just for the for the greater benefit of those around us and to and to put others um, above ourselves. So truly respect Derek for that. Um, So he was you know, he was his production company was going to be working. Um, on this event, and it's an artist that he knew. So, you know, I said, you know, what the heck? Yes, I do reside in Delaware, and I typically fly out of Philadelphia. But I said, hey, why not, you know, fly to the other side of the country to attend an event with, uh, let's see, roughly one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people that you have never heard of before um, that they're <laughs> that are going to speak on this platform, this conference, and uh, or I'm considering it a conference because I like. I like conferences and the collective uh, the collective display of ideas based on a specific or around a specific purpose or function. But, uh, you know, I said, what the heck? You know, so I got on a plane on Friday, flew to the other side of the country, uh, slept for about four and a half hours and then woke up uh, to go not just be an attendee at the event, but, you know, to help unload things, to help um, to help move chairs, to help set up stuff or whatever needed to be done um, because, um, you know, serve it first all the time. So. Um, so, so getting to the event, not really knowing what to expect, not digging much into it. I like to be, um, I like to be, uh, surprised and, um, I like to be engaged. So I like to try not to develop an opinion of, of what's going to happen, uh, before it takes place. But just looking at the collection of people that were speaking, they seem to have, um, different gifts. I didn't really, um, I've been on a social media fast for, uh, most of January. So I, I, I actually couldn't even go to, <laughs> Uh, social media to look at the flyer anymore. So I genuinely didn't even know the names of anyone who would be there. Um, I saw the event advertised by Derek. I registered for it like two months ago and booked airfare. Um, so I really had no idea who was going to be there, who was running it, who the founders were. I just knew that um, that that a man that I know that has a great heart service and a love for um, for community using Christian music to, to impact urban communities and um, and to support urban movements was doing something. So I was there. Um, so I was, you know, I was, I was pleased to find that there were a lot of um, very talented, um, passionate, um, engaged people that that kind of stood up to communicate their stories around the concept of of this rave work of using your story um, and the way that you convey that story through art, through writing, through music, uh, through drumming, through comedy, um, whatever you use it through, like bravely telling a story that makes a difference and using whatever success or notoriety or virality that you may, that you may accomplish and, and kind of putting yourself out there and taking that risk of being a public person on a platform, then using that platform um, to elevate something greater than yourself, right? Some people are very clearly, um, you know, Christian um, believers, and they and they use their their platform to elevate their faith. Others, um, you know, a, a lot of the individuals there were involved with uh, with Compassion International, that you know, that elevates the plight of children in various countries. Um, that's actually the the same group that I saw at the po- the Poets in Autumn tour, the same organization that I saw that had sponsored that tour, and just have you know artists who have been passionately um, who've been passionately moved by the work that they do as an organization. So it was just amazing to me to kind of sit there throughout the day, you know, and stand and to, to help when I, you know, help when I kind of observe and, and, and take in the event. The most amazing thing that I saw from an event that they, they call brave work is that, you know, outside of people having, you know, brief moments of time or small sets where they sung a, a couple of songs and, um, and they, you know, and they, they, you know, and one guy, um, uh, Dustin Tavella, uh, did some amazing kind of like magic tricks while talking about outreach to the homeless. Um, 
outside of everybody being there to display their gifts, outside of everyone being there um, to to kind of to kind of everyone was there because of what they did. Um, but the, the the interesting thing was is that the the what they were brave about was the reality of who they were. Um, and and last week I actually recorded a podcast and had a technical difficulty because it and so it didn't record. So I need to re-record it, and I may likely do that today. Um, but that, that podcast topic is, um, do people know you for what you do or who you are? Right. And so the, the beautiful thing is that it's, it, it takes, you know, it only takes for you to produce something for somebody to recognize you for what you do. Right. That's if you produce at work, that's, you know, if you make a grades, that's if you win an athletic event, that's if you create a YouTube video, that's if you make a song or take a photo or write a poem or paint a picture or, you know, take a, take a photo, make a video, make a movie, um, you know, I met, uh, you know, a guy named, uh, Ken Eagle, who's, who's, you know, who's a programmer making video games. Like a lot of people can know you based on your work. Um, but producing something and putting it out into the world isn't necessarily brave, right? We have content, um, we have content platforms that allow you to do it for free, right? So there's not even the risk of investment, um, the technology that's, um, you know, there's so much freeware and technology you can use to create now. Um, there's no risk of investment, even in a platform to help you create um, and to curate what it is that you want to put out to the world. Um, so so generating work, right, isn't something that um, that is in itself just independently brave. Right. It can be creative. It can be imaginative. It can be it can be innovative. Right. It can be game changing. Um, it can be different. But that doesn't necessarily make it brave. Right. Like brave is 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 taking is taking risk with those things. Right. It's taking risks of. Um, the messages that you represent. It's taking risk with um, the way to want people um, to perceive you, right? It's taking risk and not allowing a platform to define who you are, but using the platform to define yourself to the world or using a platform to highlight a problem to the public, right? So it's it's what we do with the, with the gifts that we have. It's what we do with the, the things that we create, with the outcome of the work of our hands or the, 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 the sweat um, equity of our of our hearts and our desires that ultimately drives forward, um, you know, the, what it is that we're doing. So like this concept of brave work was really cool to me, um, because if you're going to do something, I always try to, to encourage um, those who I mentor or ask me for advice or input on anything um, that they do in their lives, whether it's professional, personal or or spiritual, is that, you know, if, if you're comfortable, then you're probably doing something wrong. Right. Bravery takes courage. Right. Courage is just um, is, is, is being resolute in the in the face of fear or or risk, like in, in, in my opinion. So it's like to, to do brave work um, and to, to do brave work through art, especially when art can be so easily commercialized and so easily marginalized. And and the, and the, and the easiest, you know, the easiest path to take is that of popular culture and just to follow the trend of whatever just to follow the trend of what everyone else is doing and and ultimately just hoping that that you catch the wave at the right time that you gain enough height to sustain you for a little bit until you catch the next wave and catch the next trend and sometimes you're at the top of the wave sometimes you're in the middle of the wave sometimes you catch the wave right as it's you know right as it's selling and um and, it, and it's going down and then you, you only get a slight raise but it it doesn't really take you anywhere right it just it just gives you a little bit of a bump and a little bit of a um, and, it, and it lets you it lets you raise uh, just just marginally higher. Right. But that also ha- that just all has to do with the fact that you're you're riding the wave. Right. You're following the trend. You're you're moving with the culture. You're 
um, you're, you're moving along with everyone else that's moving in that direction, or you're allowing the tide to pull you into that direction and not being brave enough um, to stand in your own place and to build your own platform and to, you know, and to, and to move your own shore, stir your own water or create your own turbulence um, so that the movement around you isn't because things are moving you. The movement around you is because you're changing the water. So, you know, just with this event, I just like I said, I, I found it to be amazing the level of transparency and honesty and vulnerability that everybody showed and people at different levels of success. You know, you um, and I'm probably going to say his name wrong. He said it's you say it like quillage. Uh, but it's it's Quibos um, or Quibo. I don't know if you pronounce that in South African names. And his last name is Potgeiter, which actually sounds German. So I want to say it like Potgeiter because um, I work with a lot of German and Swiss people. Um, so Quibus uh, Potgeiter is a amazing drummer, um, kind of uh, an OG of the of the YouTube um, game, as he described it, because, he, you know, he's been posting videos since 2006. So 14 years um, you know, 14 years ago as the as the YouTube um, platform was growing. And, you know, he just has videos playing along, um, playing along uh, his, his, you know, his drums to uh, to pop songs and just kind of putting his own his own flavor into it. Right. But he even talked about how, you know, like he can he, he consistently inconsistently follows the rules for YouTubers. Right. He doesn't post on the same day every week. He doesn't create the same kind of content. Right. He kind of you know, he almost like he binges creatively and then just posts a series of videos based on what he was doing at that time. But that's still been successful for him. Right. So but it's been brave for him to take the option to say, like, look, I'm going to do what feels comfortable to me. I'm not going to try to dictate my creativity based on metrics or someone's um, perceived notion of how algorithms work. Right. I'm going to continue to focus on quality and make sure that, you know, that he has excellent production and proper video equipment, right? And that the, the sound is captured properly and not just throwing things out there for the sake that you want them to be consumed, right? Because it's, then you just want people to see your work, right? But it's brave to put everything you have into something and then say, this is the best version of what I can present, especially in the world where people want to criticize. They want to criticize your video editing. They want to criticize your sound quality. You know, so like he had mentioned yesterday with the with the uh, the very technical, you know, the technical debates over drumming and what proper style is and what proper form is, right? So to put all of this effort into the production and to put effort into the quality, into the excellence, knowing that there's probably going to be a thousand people that say you suck. There's going to be a thousand people that say you're corny. There are going to be a thousand people who say, um, you know, why are you flipping your hair all the time in your videos? And, um, and you know, and, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll claim vanity when really what most people do when they're projecting their own fears, insecurities um, onto you. But, you know, when you put a lot of time and effort into it, right, that's a risk in itself. Like, that's brave. Because if you're like, this is the best that I could produce, and then people are like, oh, that sucks. You don't have the excuse of, well, I just threw it together. And, you know, all I had was my GoPro and one microphone. So you kind of got to do what you got to do. So almost removing the excuse of, of not being fully prepared, removing the excuse of, uh, of, of, of not having all the, the things capable to put out what you feel like is the best genuine version of what you're capable of doing at that time, right, leaves you susceptible to that 
to that criticism and the reality of that even when you when you can try your very best, your your very hardest and invest everything you have into something, someone's not going to like it. Right. But the question is, do you care? <laughs> right. Are, are you brave enough to continue to do it? Are you brave enough to, to do it for the purpose of reaching people and inspiring people? Um, and, and like uh, like like Quibbit said, just trying to get um, just trying to get people to to, uh, to just recognize that their craft or their art or their gift that they have um, is something that the world can appreciate if you just package it and deliver it to them. So that was, I mean, that was just one of the speakers and it's a drummer. I'm not a, I'm not a musician. I don't play any instruments. I have lupus. So I have arthritis in my hand. So I'm pretty sure that would be relatively painful. I love the guitar and have owned one for probably over a decade, um, but could never learn how to play because my, my hands lock up. But just seeing the passion and the, the vulnerability of someone that's managed to achieve um, success and, and notoriety in his field, um, to be brave enough to just talk about his weaknesses, to still talk about you know, his struggle with, you know, trying to fight fitting into a mold and to just continue being an individual was, was a great thing to experience. Right. And then, um, and then, you know, you had, uh, like David Greco, which is, who was an amazing singer and songwriter, um, and just stood out from the group because he was so soft-spoken and so shy, um, to speak in public, but yet even in a, in a low, quiet, uh, quiet voice that wasn't trying to command the room that wasn't trying to command your attention, the sincerity of, of the, his voice alone, the sincerity of his, his story, the sincerity of the, the lyrics of his song, like grabbed your attention and almost made you lean forward to make sure you could hear what he was saying, right? He wasn't yelling loud enough and speaking, you know, even speaking at a tone where he was trying to command the room. Um, you can almost tell he was just trying to draw you in uh, with his sincerity, with the truth of, of what he was speaking. Um, and even for him, right. It's just, you know, who, who developed, a who developed a passion, um, to, again, to help, you know, to help children in foreign countries with, you know, with, with poverty and, um, lacking education and healthcare. Um, like, it's just amazing to see people who, who sacrifice their, um, uh, who sacrifice their concepts of, of success, their, um, their measures and metrics of, of notoriety or impact and to set it down for people who are more important. Um, or to, you know, or to make ourselves less so that everyone becomes more important. Right. And then we had uh, Dustin Tavella and you and most of these people, you type their name in, you can just find them um, on Instagram. So those that don't follow me on social media, um, you can, you know, just rewind, pause, find the individuals um, and, the, and the projects and the things that they do. For everyone who um, follows me on social media, I will tag them on Instagram, um, and, and, uh, and, and but that might translate to their Facebook page. It may not, but at a minimum, you'll find them on on Instagram. So Dustin Tavella, who um, is you know is a musician, um, but also became a street magician. <laughs> uh, interesting transition. Um, you know, you don't normally find uh, many singing magicians. Um, and magic doesn't normally appeal to the vocal cords it doesn't seem even though they're very good public speakers and um dustin you know just told an amazing story of you know his his time in in, in los angeles and working with the homeless on skid row and um and just focusing on building relationships and serving their humanity on top of finding ways to serve their needs but more communicating with them and communing with them and fellowshipping with them um and showing them love and showing them um, and showing them the respect that they deserve as people made in the image of God, right? So 
um, you know, just, just doing his tricks and, um, and, you know, inviting people up. And the, the, the one of the most uh, the interesting thing is the, the very last trick that he did that was supposed to be the, you know, the, the grand finale. It messed up. Right. And, and in a and in a very and he talked about like the childlike nature of magic and the way that he feels we should all function in. Right. Because children are brave. Children um, don't really know or understand fear until we introduce it to their world. Um, but in, in that very childlike kind of uh, brave manner, like he just openly like he didn't try to make it up. He didn't try to make it seem like, oh, this was a trick that I wanted to fail to show you, teach you perseverance. He was just like, oh, crap, like I messed up that trick, that trick. Um, I didn't do it properly, right? And even that was was brave, right? Because who he is as a person, you know, you can tell it's not completely encapsulated in the fact that he's a magician, right? He's a, you know, he's a husband, um, you know, he's someone who enjoys doing outreach. He's someone who enjoys showing love to other people. So he didn't allow in that moment his identity to be crushed or corrupted by the fact that he made a mistake in something that he was doing in his work. Right. He was brave enough to say that didn't work. My trick didn't work and I screwed it up. Um, the beauty is, that, uh, you know, I stayed around after the event and was was helping clean up some stuff and kind of eavesdropping on conversations. And I happened to see him going through the trick again with some um, some attendees that just kind of hung around uh, to network with some of the speakers. Um, and he completed the trick, uh, the the trick. And it was absolutely amazing. Right. Every, I, I'm always I always jokingly see people do mad, um, do mad, uh, do magic. And I'm like, it's witchcraft. Um even though I know it's, you know, probability and sleight of hands and statistics and very well um, meticulously thought out um, ways to um, to just, you know, throw off the human psyche and, and use imagination and, uh, and creativity to, to present these these illusions and, and, and amazing effects. So, you know, but but again, that was, you know, just honest, transparent moments, right? Just just brave discussions of, of our fallacies, our brokenness, our um, insecurities, uh, you know, the things that we fear. Uh, the things that people deal with daily, um, you know, even um, uh, Dustin had talked about, like just the choice that he makes every day to try to be positive, right? To to focus on negative, you know, because you know, kind of everybody answered the question, "Do you feel successful?" And and you know, most people gave the answers like depends on what day it is, right? When you when you wake up and something you did went viral yesterday, I think that you know that probably makes people feel like okay, that made an impact. But then the next thing you 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 post could flop. <laughs> Right. Or your thing, you might have something that goes viral for the wrong reason. You know, something goes viral because people hated it. Um, and then but again, it's just brave to put yourself out there through what you do um, and leave yourself open to criticism and things of that nature. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, the Pedro and Jesse Latori, the, the, the founders and, and co-founders of Brave Work, uh, both did different things. I mean, Jesse did some interviews. Pedro um, shared his personal story and kind of you know, I think I just uh, more than anything, I just appreciate them as a couple. I love to see um, people who in the the desires of their hearts, not only have a passion about it, but have someone who's passionate about it with them. And that's amazing when the person that's passionate with you is the person you get to live with every day. Right. There's nothing than having a dream that you have to try to justify with the person you share your life with. Right. Having a dream that, you know, you want to run a marathon and, you know, and, and your husband or, or a wife or significant other is like, well, we don't have money to invest in all of this personal training and the dietary needs. Or, you know, you want to start a business, but people, um, but people you know, kind of plan to your fear of leaving the known instead of instead of um, encouraging you in the, you know, in the in the dream of, of jumping into the unknown. Right. Or the or the, you know, or help you overcome the anxiety with excitement. 
uh, that they feel that you can do it or encouraging you in that manner. So it was just beautiful to see the two of them play off of each other for her um, to take the room and to, you know, and to, to do the interview questions and, and the Q&As from the audience and for those who were who were participating on live stream and then, you know, just getting to see them before the event and even after um, as we went to dinner, the, the genuineness of their of their connection, right? The reflection of their love um, for one another and having that put um, in a in a public sphere where it can be it can be criticized or, or challenged or even just opening themselves up uh, to, to, you know, to, to public view in that manner is brave, right? Most people's marriages can't, <laughs> most people's marriages can't survive a spotlight, let alone a microscope. So for someone to put themselves out there knowing that, you know, when you, when you go out into the public, when you, when you present or create something, you're opening yourselves up to criticism for those who just feel a desire to criticize or troll whatever other people produce. I don't understand those people. I don't know why they just don't take time to go produce things of their own if they think they have better ideas. But that's that's a topic for a different podcast. Um, but I, that's the the thing I appreciated. Um, I appreciated most about them. Um, you know, in Pedro's uh, talk, he was you know he's talked about Martin Luther King since we you know we're at the end of the week for his you know for the holiday that that celebrated his birthday. Um, and he was talking about. The fact that, you know, when Martin Luther King was shot on April 4th of 1968 at the Lorraine Hotel, he was there to speak to a group of union workers that were garbage men. And he was like a man who had been at the biggest platforms, who had visited the White House, who, you know, who had who had did all of this stuff. Right. The I have a dream speech. Someone who had had such large platforms. Right. Saw it saw it fit to 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 lower himself. And then to step out and to say, you know, I will be here in support of these garbage men and women um, who are who are fighting for for rights and for for pay and for um, and for a voice, right? And and he was and he was assassinated on that day, right? Stepping stepping down into what people would consider a, a lower echelon of a of a national debate about equality, right? Even stepping out of what he was largely known for. Um, at the time of his death and what, you know, what people largely uh, kind of promote and push him for, um, ignoring the other works that he did, but that the only thing that Martin Luther King talked about wasn't just race, right? He talked about justice and equality. Martin, you know, Martin Luther King was uh, was still, was starting to speak out against the U.S. actions in the, the Vietnam War, right? He was he was a nonviolent protester. The, um, the atrocities and the death uh, in, in Vietnam was something that that he was adamantly against and spoke out against, right? He was he was very much for organized labor unions and collective bargaining and and helping people position and better control their future and their finances of their careers. Uh, but you know, we we tend to you know a lot of people just kind of linger on "I Have a Dream" speech when he was brave in a lot more ways than just to talk about problems that affected his race, right? He was brave enough to talk about war. He was brave enough um, to stand up against. Uh, corrupt corporations. He was brave enough to challenge America, um, and it's and it's at its foundational core and its pillars of of military free trade, right, and um, and liberty for all, <laughs> right. The foundational pillars of this country that at times act poorly, that don't you know properly reflect all citizens, and then you know, and then often gives preference to um, to you know, especially at the time to to rich white men, right? And so women were underserved, the poor were underserved, the middle class were underrepresented and didn't have a voice. And 
he used his voice and his platform and the attention um, that that people gave him to 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 be brave enough um, to help stand with other people so that the light that was shined on him anywhere that he went managed to capture other people's problems in its in its you know like in its beam and <laughs> its in its luminous. And that was and that was amazing. Like I said, and they're just just awesome people. I got to see their uh, their their son Justice, who just recently turned four, and just that interaction of their family and and just the love um, and the, the tenderness and the and the connection that they have, and their and the reflection of family. And there, I mean, there were just a lot of amazing people. You had Nate um, Ernsberger, who told an amazing story, um, and again was representing Compassion International. Uh, we had uh, Esther Faminko, who's a uh, who's a, a social media personality, uh, just talked about how she bravely commits primarily to to caring for her family um, and taking care of her children, which is something I truly appreciate because everybody acts like my wife is crazy for being a stay at home mom, as if she isn't probably one of the most significant contributors to humanity I have ever met. Um, and you no, know, my wife doesn't have a social media platform. My wife is not you know, trending or viral on, on YouTube, but, or on Instagram or any platform. Um, but she gives her whole self and her whole heart, um, into everyone she encounters. And I don't think anyone's ever met my wife, um, and, and been around her and have been loved by her for more than an hour whose life wasn't changed, (laughs) right. Or at least whose perspective wasn't changed on, on what it means to feel tended to what it means to feel cared for. Um, and what it looks like to be loved. Um, so, and that's again, her name was Esther Faminko. That's F-O-M-E-N-K-O. And, you know, we also had Angela Johnson, who was, a, you know, a Netflix, um, Netflix personality and a comedian um, who, again, just talked about being vulnerable, right? Um, talking about, you know, telling jokes that may not be funny, um, you know, being, being close to being close to an edge and, and trying not to fall off and and just being courageous in what you do. And she was, and she kind of ended with the concept of just do you and do you well. Right. Which goes back to my, my early statement when I, when I, when I kind of first started this discussion of, you know, like, are you, are you just trying to build and capitalize on what you do? Or are you, are you trying to build something around who you are? Right. And I'll go into that in much more detail in another episode. So if you're only checking into this because you uh, because you know about Brave Work or you were participating or you were at Babe Brave Work, someone shared it. I'm mentioning their name um, in this podcast. Uh, please hang around or subscribe on your favorite platform or just, you know, bookmark the website um, for Roy Dockery dot <clears throat> excuse me for Roy Dockery dot org. And. <clears throat> And come and stay along for the ride because we will get into that uh, who you are versus what you do, which I think is important for everyone in, in every aspect of life. So, you know, so with that said, like, you know, everyone had, you know, just a great story and, a, you know, and a great opportunity. And there was, you know, there was one additional speaker who kind of who kind of closed, you know, who kind of closed out uh, the day um, or who, who kind of closed it out for me mentally, which was, um, and his name is Curtis Zachary. He goes by CZ. And so he's an author and pastor and, um, and you know, and gets to speak all over the country. And, um, and I'm pretty sure probably all over the world. I just met him yesterday. So I, I, it's not like I've read his bio, but he, he, you know, we, we actually had a pretty lengthy conversation before the event started. And I told him in everything that, 
that I attend, whether I attend as a, as a presenter, as a speaker, as an artist, um, or even as an attendee, you know, I, I feel like God, um, God is, 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 uh, is obviously all knowing, but he is very, um, providential in the way, um, in those who he tells us to interact with and to direct with. And I just always try to be receptive, um, to the moment of who it is that, you know, that, that is supposed to speak into me or who it is that God wants me, um, to speak into. And so, you know, me and uh, Curtis kind of had that mutual exchange where, you know, we discussed some things uh, that, that I've been dealing with personally and some some things that have been um, developing in my life and some of the brave steps that we're taking um, with my family, with our ministry, with our with our location um, in 2020 and just some of the things that I learned from 2019. Um, <clears throat> and it's funny because he got up uh, towards the end of, end of the evening, at uh, the end of the day, probably seven or so plus hours from when we originally had our decision and begin to give a talk on finding your purpose, right? And knowing what your why is and, and not just being busy doing things. When remind you, I said, I made podcasts about, you know, it's about who you are and not what you do, which is essentially saying you got to understand the purpose for why you exist and not just keep doing stuff, trying to look purposeful. Um, so he gave, you know, he gave this, um, that, that this message kind of, I'll call it a sermon, um, a sermon for the, for, 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 for a distributed audience. Um, and he just kept um, just hammering on how we need to define, we need to find our purpose. We need to find that thing that is intrinsic to us that just makes us want to run, right? He told a story about his son and how his son was running and playing and he picked them up and he tried to give him a hug because, you know, it's daddy's here and he wants his son to care about the fact that daddy just showed up. But at that moment, all his son wanted to do was keep running, right? Everything in his heart just wanted to find enjoyment in that moment in running. And I think about the same thing. I travel a lot and, you know, I have my, my three-year-old son and then my, my eight-year-old and 11-year-old daughters. And like, I'll come into the house and whatever my son is doing at that moment, I, I you know, my, my brother calls it to come home. Like when I come home, everyone stops what they're doing and they come and give me a hug. And it's weird because sometimes I feel like I want to leave just so I can come back. <laughs> and get the come home, right? You just, you, you get hug and the, um, and the passion. But the funny thing is all of my kids are at an age where they're very passionate about things that they do, right? My son is very passionate about playing superheroes, right? And, and acting out Paw Patrol episodes and being Ben 10, um, with his, with his sister. My, my youngest daughter is passionate about serving people and she loves uh, to cook and to just help any way that she can. Um, well, I'm not going to say in any way that she can, cause she does not like cleaning up. Um, but she will serve you food, right? She just loves to see people. Um, she kind of got that big mama, uh, uh, big mama kind of personality where she just loves the way that food brings people together and um, and, and gives them energy, right? And, and provides a place um, at a table where people feel included, right? And my oldest daughter is normally either reading a book on law now, since she wants to be a uh, she wants to be a lawyer at eleven. Um, and is already is actually already picked her undergrad and her and her um, in her law school um, at this point, both HBCUs, uh, Aggie Pride. So because um, <laughs> she just told me the other day she wants to go to she might she might, you know, I'm going to say she's going, but she's saying she might go to North Carolina A&T, which is one of my alma maters, one of the three or four universities I've attended. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was a that was a proud, uh, proud HBCU alum. Um, Aggie dad moment for me. So since we're moving back to Greenville, she will get lots of lots of tours of the A and T campus. But 
Right, but in the, but in those moments, like when I come home, like that, like I grasp their attention at that very moment. But then, because of the fact that we raise our children to, um, to 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 look into and to understand and to invest in who they are, right? A lot of them they become my kids in that moment, and like they miss daddy, and then they go back to who they are, right? They go back to their their either collective or individual tasks, but they just go back to being who they are. Like I. I don't hold on to them. I don't cling to them in that moment and be like, keep being my little kids, my little babies that show me attention and make me feel good as dad, right? So because, that, because you know, when I leave the house, I'm, I'm going to focus on who I am, even when I'm at home and I'm in the studio or I'm writing or I'm reading or I'm studying or whatever the case may be. Like there's there's this, um, there's just this, this freedom. There's this... Uh, this honesty and just and just being who you are, not trying to be a version of yourself that is something other people want to see, not trying to be a version of yourself that is impressive to, to other people. I always talk about kind of the the, the social experiments that I do and I and I'll call them and I'll call them brave voyages <laughs> under the context of this podcast. But it's like you step out into the world in a way that you know people will perceive you a certain way or people will may perceive you poorly but you do it bravely hoping that what you can do is you can change someone's perspective right so you know i i travel extensively um and most people who who follow me would know i've actually been traveling for the last three weeks and i've probably only spent about uh what today is the 26th i think i've spent roughly nine days in january at my own house uh all the other days i have been in a hotel um, in, in a different state. So, but like, you know, I, I make the conscious decision that when I travel, I'm going to travel casually. Right. So I'm normally got on some sweatpants or some joggers with, with some converses. Um, lately I've been rocking the K sevens, which are the Colin Kaepernick, Nike air force ones, um, which I will be wearing today as I fly out alone. And so in, in what I choose to put on, I'm making a conscious decision that I'm, you know, normally I'm, I'm flying in, a, in an upgraded class, right? I have upgraded statuses at most of the hotels that I stay at, um, the airlines that I fly frequently. And so I, I know I'm going to have to deal with the, the mental conundrum where people are trying to understand. He, he looks very urban, very hip hop. Um, he looks relatively young. Why the heck does he travel so much? And even though I think people are well-intentioned in their mind, right, to try to understand, like, why is this guy sitting in the same class as me? Like, why is this guy sitting in the same boarding group as me? Like, he doesn't look like he travels often for business. But, like, I want to challenge people's perspective of, like, what does business travel look like? Because no one thinks about that when you see a white guy in a jogging suit, right? So if you got a corporate, you know, an, an older corporate gentleman who, who, is, who is white um, or even European or, you know, anything of Caucasian view right like no one ever assumes the guy in an under armor shirt you know and some you know and some jogging pants and some you know some running running shoes or some adidas or pumas or some other expensive brand of running shoe like no one ever looks at him and like man i guess he's a marathon runner right like they're just like oh man you know he must just be in relaxed clothing but if he's in zone one if he's in first class if he's flying um internationally in business class you just assume they're a business person because most people who fly frequently are just business people, like it's a part of their business, and that's an assumption. But the weird thing is, is the the perspective of 
like people who look more urban. And like, I, I've even seen like skaters, like genuine skaters who are getting on planes with skateboards and helmets going into first class. Cause it's probably like the, the current age, Tony Hawk. Like I don't follow skateboarding, so I don't know. Um, but like they get on the plane with a skateboard, right? So it's either they really, really love skateboards or they skateboard for a living. Um, and this is how they're traveling. Or you see people get on with guitars and, you know, and instruments or camera equipment. So sometimes there's some there's some baggage, there are peripheral things that that give us some indication of what people are. But typically you just see somebody with a suitcase and an outfit. Right. So I love challenging the perspective of people of what a hoodie on a black man means, what sweatpants and um, you know, and some and some some current shoes that could be controversial um, means for a conversation or an interaction with someone. But then that takes the bravery of me being able to know and to understand that what I'm doing, right, um, is 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 going to challenge somebody in a in a way that could be offensive to me, right? So it's like a, like bravery, um, you know, bravery and doing things publicly like that also requires a a certain degree and a certain measure of grace. So like I have like I'm, I'm being brave to go put myself in a position to be challenged, but then I have to exercise grace and respond in a way with love, the way that my faith commands me to in the way that my faith empowers me to. Um, but then just creating an opportunity so people um, so people can can get to know me as an individual, not to get to know me beyond a stereotype or or, or just an assumption, right? We all stereotype people, right? When I tell people all the time, if I, if I see a white guy standing next to a pickup truck with camouflage on, I kind of assume you have no black friends, right? Like, <laughs> like I've got to override that in my own mind. But at the end of the day, like, I lived in Tennessee for six years. I lived in North Carolina for eight. I have actually literally never seen a white person in camouflage in a pickup truck with a black person in that pickup truck. I'm just saying. So some of this is just observations. So like, I really like, sometimes I really look like <laughs> I'd be looking for like a white dude and like try to find his Hispanic or black friend because I want to, I want to fracture even some of my own stereotypes that are based on factual observations of the world that I live in. But sometimes I want that observation to be challenged. I want that, I, I want that, I want that, you know, that reality to be disrupted. Like I want to sit next to someone on a on a on a on a 14 hour flight with a MAGA hat on and have a 12 hour discussion about economic inequality and racial injustice. And they agree with the fact that America is jacked up and the way they want to make America great again is to empower states to take care of children. Right. Like it could happen. Right. I'm hopeful. <laughs> I'm prayerful that that even I have encounters that challenge the way that I think, right? That I that I walk up to somebody who I who I you know who I would just assume based on their based on their attire, based on their clothing, right, is going to treat me a certain way, and they treat me with nothing but love and respect. And every time that happens, I try to internalize that as the new normal. I try to internalize that as a potential option. So as we're walking through life and we're doing things and we're being who we are. We can always make that conscious decision that I can choose to remember the person who treated me poorly or I can choose to remember the person who greeted me with love. And even in the way that we create and the way that we have artistic things that we want to put out in the world, right, when we're brave enough to stand up and say, I'm going to be different or I'm going to have a voice or I'm going to be creative and I'm going to be a creator and I'm going to put myself out there in a vulnerable position, we can choose every day, like Dustin kind of mentioned, I can choose to wake up every day and focus on those who support my podcast, who support my music, who have read my books, who, you know, who have, who watch my sermons, who invite me to come speak, 
I can choose to focus on those people. Or I can choose to focus on the people who don't know me and who don't follow me and who don't share my posts and who don't like my Instagrams and who haven't listened to my podcast. But the interesting thing about being brave enough to step out there is that you are always going to be in a position where less people care about you than they do. <laughs> and it's numbers, right? It's, it's not, that's not, a, you know, I'm not putting like this, this negative perspective on self, but I mean, I don't even know what it is. The population grows every day, but we always throw out, there's a like six or 7 billion people on this planet. Like even if you have 400 million YouTube subscribers, there's still over 6 billion people who don't know you, bruh. Like they don't care. And, and that's why um, I think it was, yeah, the um, uh, D- uh, David Greco talked about um, the, you know, like the pale blue dot, like when, you know, like the, when the, the telescope went, you know, several, I think it was like three point something billion miles away from earth and then turned around and took a picture of the earth. The earth was like in a two by two pixel um, frame in this, in this image. It was a little pale blue dot. And I believe he said one of the astrologers or somebody that was working on the project um, went on to kind of write, I don't know if it was a poem or just like a story, but basically just to emphasize that everybody, right? Every famous person, every poor person, um, Every every Jeff Bezos, every Takashi Six Nine, every homeless person, every you know every um, global dictator, every like every person you can think of at every dynamic, at every level of social status, at every level of economic status, at every level of educational status, right? Every PhD and every high school dropout, right? Every child who can't speak and every person who's a linguist that speaks twenty seven languages and can read, write, and all of them, like all of those diversities of people still exist on a little pale blue dot in a two, you know, two by two square pixel in the greater context of everything it is that God created. In a greater context of everything it is. So like you're still one out of several billion. So it's like you're you're not that important. Like even if you're the most important person in the world, you're not important. Like the, the president of the United States at any time, not just this president, has probably been one of the most um, one of one of one of the most identifiable public figures in the world, but there are places you can go in the world where nobody could pick you out of a lineup. Right, the most notable artists, the most notable actors, the most notable musicians that have sold millions of records, that have broken every record. Like Eminem can walk into places in America and not be recognized at a Walmart, right? In some rural part of Ohio, right? You. You go into the, you know, the local, like, I mean, we, I live in Smyrna, Delaware, very uh, outside of Smyrna, Delaware in a town called Clayton, but there's a, there's a little breakfast restaurant that I normally meet with, with some of my pastor friends at and have discussions called Bridgeway. And it's a small community restaurant, you know, and almost everybody in there is normally like over the age of 50. Like Eminem could go have breakfast with all of Slaughterhouse at Bridgeway restaurant and not get asked for an autograph because no one will know who he is. And if it is, it's probably because they seen a clip of Eight Mile while watching public television, like when it was on TBS one time, right? But like he could just go to a restaurant and eat, and like he's one of the most notable artists <laughs> in the world when it comes to hip hop. But there's there's a Waffle House somewhere on the side of the road you can stop at where ain't nobody in that Waffle House gonna know who you are, right? So so it's it's brave to put yourself out there publicly, knowing that you will never be fully known, you will never be fully understood. There will still be somewhere you can go where People aren't going to treat you with the same aplomb and applause that that you may be used to receiving in some areas and others. It's hard to 
not get addicted to the um to the to the just the feeding of your ego it's hard to not become accustomed to the entitlement and the privilege that you have um which is a separate you know episode if you go back a few for anybody that's just joining us um our, our episode on entitlement and privilege isn't just about white privilege for people who think i only talk about race on every podcast you know you're probably going to hear about race on every podcast but it's not the topic but you know you got me getting off topic so but <laughs> Because I can see people's faces. It's like, oh, here he goes again. Yes, there I go again. I'm black, so I'm sorry. I don't I don't get to not think about race daily because I got to try not to choke people for being racist um, and showing grace. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. So that, but I mean, but that's the, the beauty of it, right? So, and I, and I say all I say just to kind of, to kind of reel it back in um, as we wrap it up. Like I, um, I, I you know, I, I implore everybody to kind of look into um, some of these individuals. So I'm going to kind of go through the, the flyer detail. So again, the information is called Brave Work. Um, this was their first kind of collective event um, uh, with, with Derek. I, you know, it's weird. I've known Derek for years. I still don't know how to say his last name, um, but I'll, I'll find it here in a moment and I'll spell it because I'm not going to say it right. But um, Pedro Latore, and that is L-A-T-O-R-R-E. Uh, Jessica Latore, Angela Johnson, and that's A-N-J-E-L-A-H Johnson. Uh, Curtis Zachary, and that is Zachary, um, not spelt with a C-H, but spelt with a C-K, Z-A-C-K-E-R-Y. I believe most of his social media is who is C-Z. We had Esther Faminko, um, and that is E-S-T-E-R, and then last name F-O-M-E-N-K-O, uh, Nate Ernsberger, and that's E-R-N-S-B-E-R-G-E-R. Uh, Cuevo Potgeiter, and that's C-O-B-U-S, so it's spelt Cobus, which sounds a lot less cool. Um, and his last name is Potgeiter, P-O-T-G-I-E-T-E-R. Um, David Greco, and that's G-R-E-C-O, so only one C. And then Dustin Tavella. And that is T-A-V-E-L-L-A. And this is Brave Work. So um, I just want to know, hold on, I got to look up, got to look up my brother and fellow servant, um, Derek. And I'm going to say his last name is like Derek Hoem, or I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I got to listen to his voicemail and then learn how to say his last name because I consider him a friend. Um, but his last name is spelled H-O-I-E-M. Um, and he's, he's an amazing, um, amazing man. That makes a that makes a lot of impact, um, but tries to maintain a very low presence. But I'm putting you on blast, so now people are gonna be looking you up and hitting you up because um, you're an amazing servant, and um, and I pray that people um, also just pour into and try to connect with you with the things that you do um, and the way that you um, and the way that you just pour into those um, who who look to serve and who who look to to use their gifts um, for the edification of others. So. This is the Savage Truth Podcast. Like I said, anyone who just joined us, please feel free to visit the website um, to check out other topics. So this will kind of be posted under our under our heading of likely pop culture and entertainment because there's a number of, of entertainers um, um, doing, doing great work in this space. So um, I just applaud them as leaders and people who are willing to step out um, and to speak, even those who are, who are nervous speaking. So um, as I always in uh, the podcast, uh, again, like, you know, anyone who knows me, uh, they, they, they know what I'm about. Uh, they, they know where I stand. Um, and I hope the more that you listen to my podcast, you start to understand who I am above uh, what it is, uh, other, you know, above the things that I just do. So 
with that said, um, you know, I am who I am um, and my identity is found in what I believe in. And I believe um, that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, right? I think he died and was resurrected for the, for the sins of man and that we can find um, salvation and we can progressively move towards uh, sanctification and, and righteousness and just a better version of ourselves as humans um, if we listen to and follow his teachings. So I would always ask, like I always do, that um, you don't look at Christ um, through his Christians. Uh, we all have bad students. Anyone who's ever taught something, you know that people can clearly take what you say um, and misrepresent it or misapply it. And I think that's why most people are frustrated with the church. I think that's why most people are frustrated with religion. It's not the philosophy. It's not the teaching. It's a lot of time the students and the application. Um, some people can read a Bible and it makes them bigoted um, and it makes them separatists and it makes them feel like they're better than people because they know something. Um, but they, they choose to they choose to glance over all the times when God commands us to love. The most significant thing about Christianity is just the the, that the fact that Jesus implores us to love one another, that Jesus implores us to love our neighbors, to love those who persecute us, to love those who do evil to us, and to love to love one another, um, even being the most the, the most effective way that we can exemplify being his disciples, right? So, you know, Jesus basically said, if you are effectively one of my students, it will be seen through how you love one another. Um, so I would pray that if you haven't seen that love, then I, I would I would say, and some people might not like it, especially those who are Christian. If you haven't seen people love in a way that makes you wonder what they believe in, then you probably haven't met any real Christians. You probably met some people who know Christ. You probably met some people who attend church. You very likely have met a lot of religious people in your life, which means they follow certain patterns of behaviors and traditions. But I'm going to say you haven't met many people who truly know and follow Christ and are his disciples. Because if we were his disciples, you would see it by the way that we love one another. So I pray that you give Christ a chance, uh, despite his Christians, and even sometimes despite our best efforts, we're still human and we're still broken and we're still in process. So I just invite you um, to look at that process and join it with us. So um, pick up a Bible, uh, shoot us an email. If you got a question, ask us, whatever it may be. Um, but, I, but I pray that you find him because in our choice and our dedication to loving others, um, we truly start to find ourselves. So thank you for joining us. Not sure what song I'm going to throw on the end of this episode. Um, so if you've been hanging around, listening to the music when it's, um, when it's included, I'm going to add on, um, add a track onto here today. Maybe mine, maybe someone else's. I don't really know yet. I'll figure it out when I, when I, when I, uh, when I mix and engineer this episode at some point this week. Um, and then I'll, I'll be glad to, to share it with you. So Thank you again um, for joining us. Thank you for your support. Um, I pray uh, that you have a great day whenever you hear this. I pray um, that, you, that you are successful and victorious in the things that you are doing for others. <laughs> and I pray that, that you only go in that and then it reflects in the way. Um, I, I pray that your success is measured by what you do for others and not just what you do for yourself. So, haha, challenge. You thought I was going to be like, I hope your New Year's resolution is close. Nope, I don't necessarily care about you. I care about what you do for other people. And that's the savage truth, right? That's going to lead leaders who sacrifice to, uh, for other people to gain because the greatest people I've ever studied normally died so that other people could be greater. So that's my hope. Um, so thank you for joining. Well, I'm not saying that I want you to die to make other people greater, but we all die at some point. The question is, how many people did you make great with your life? Um, and what did you sacrifice so that other people could gain? So I thank you for joining us. Uh, this is the Savage Truth Podcast with Pastor Roy Dockery or Roy Dockery. Or you can call me Roy or you can call me Doc. Or you can just call me past it. Doesn't really matter. 
Um, I just pray that you know who I am. And I pray that you know I love you. So I thank you for joining. Um, I genuinely mean that from whatever corner of the world you may be listening to. Um, much love to you. I pray um, that you have success. If there's any way that I can sacrifice to help you gain, just let me know. It's the Savage Truth Podcast with Pastor Roy Dockery. Thank you for joining us. God bless. Dear storytellers, stop. Let's pause long enough to look around. What are we doing? How are we doing? We're hustling to keep up? For what? What are we trying to say? What is our work changing? We're not focused, we're distracted. We're overwhelmed, saying yes to too much. We're unhappy. It's time to reconvene. 2020 will be a year of fresh and clear vision. So let's set our sights straight. Creatives from all over the world will gather for an intimate one-day experience. Together, we will discover and define our unique purposes. We'll collaborate on how to carry out our dreams and leave with the inspiration and tools to do so. You're invited to hear from brilliant minds and amongst allies doing brave work. Space will be limited, but the possibilities, oh, those are endless. Sincerely, Brave Work.